0: This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Paul Siegel of Maynard, Massachusetts. Red Shadows by Robert E. Howard. Chapter 2. The Lair of the Wolf. You are a fool! The words came in a cold snarl that curdled the hearer's blood. He who had just been named a fool lowered his eyes sullenly without answer. "'You and all the others I lead!' The speaker leaned forward, his fist pounding emphasis on the rude table between them. He was a tall, rangy-built man, supple as a leopard and with a lean, cruel, predatory face. His eyes danced and glittered with a kind of reckless mockery. The fellow spoken to replied sullenly, "'This Solomon Cain is a demon from hell, I tell you.' "'Fore! dolt, He is a man!' "'who will die from a pistol-ball or a sword-thrust.' "'So thought John, Juan, and Lacosta,' answered the other grimly. "'Where are they? "'Ask the mountain-wolves that tore the flesh from their dead bones. "'Where does this cane hide? "'We have searched the mountains and the valleys for leagues, "'and we have found no trace. "'I tell you, Leloup, he comes up from hell. "'I knew no good would come from hanging that friar a moon ago.' "'The wolf strummed impatiently upon the table.' His keen face, despite lines of wild living and dissipation, was the face of a thinker. The superstitions of his followers affected him not at all. Fa, I say again, "'the fellow has found some cavern or secret vale of which we do not know where he hides in the day.' "'And at night he sallies forth and slays us,' gloomily commented the other. "'He hunts us down as a wolf hunts deer. "'By God, Leloup, you name yourself Wolf, "'but I think you have met at least a fiercer and more crafty wolf than yourself.' The first we know of this man is when we find Jean, the most desperate bandit unhung, nailed to a tree with his own dagger through his breast, and the letters S.L.K. carved upon his dead cheek. Then the Spaniard Juan is struck down, and after we find him he lives long enough to tell us that the Slayer is an Englishman, Solomon Cain, who has sworn to destroy our entire band. What then? La Costa, a swordsman second only to yourself, goes forth swearing to meet this Kane. By the demons of perdition, it seems he met him, for we found his sword-pierced corpse upon a cliff. What now? Are we all to fall before this English fiend? True, our best men have been done to death by him, mused the bandit chief. Soon the rest return from that little trip to the hermits, then we shall see. Cain cannot hide forever. Then, ha! What was that? The two turned swiftly as a shadow fell across the table. Into the entrance of the cave that formed the bandit lair, a man staggered. His eyes were wide and staring. He reeled on buckling legs, and a dark red stain dyed his tunic. He came a few tottering steps forward, then pitched across the table, sliding off onto the floor. devils!" cursed the wolf, hauling him upright and propping him in a chair. "'Where are the rest? Curse you! Dead! All dead!' "'How? Satan's curse on you! Speak!' The wolf shook the man savagely, the other bandit gazing on in wide-eyed horror. "'We reached the hermit's hut just as the moon rose,' the man muttered. "'I stayed outside to watch. The others went in to torture the hermit, to make him reveal the hiding place of his gold.' "'Yes, yes, then what?' the wolf was raging with impatience. "'Then the world turned red. The hut went up in a roar, and a red rain flooded the valley.' Through it I saw the hermit and a tall man clad all in black coming from the trees Solomon Kane gasped the bandit. I knew it. I silence fool snarled the chief. Go on. I fled. Kane pursued. Wounded me, but I outran him. Got here first. The man slumped forward on the table. Saints and devils raged the wolf. What does he look like, this Kane? Like satan the voice trailed off in silence the dead man slid from the table to lie in a red heap upon the floor like satan babbled the other bandit i told you tis the horned one himself i tell you he ceased as a frightened face peered in at the cave entrance cain ay the wolf was too much at sea to lie keep close watch Lamont. in a moment the rat and i will join you the face withdrew and Loupe turned to the other this ends the band, he said. You, I, and that thief Lamon are all that are left. What would you suggest? The rat's pallid lips barely formed the words. Flight! You are right. Let us take the gems and gold from their chests and flee, using the secret passageway. And Lamon? He can watch until we are ready to flee. Then why divide the treasure three ways? A faint smile touched the rat's malevolent features. Then a sudden thought smote him. He, indicating the corpse on the floor, said, I got here first. Does that mean Cain was pursuing him here? And as the wolf nodded impatiently, the other turned to the chest with chattering haste. The flickering candles in the rough table lighted up a strange and wild scene. The light, uncertain and dancing, gleamed redly in the slowly widening lake of blood in which the dead man lay. It danced upon the heaps of gems and coins emptied hastily upon the floor from the brass-bound chests that ranged the walls and it glittered in the eyes of the wolf with the same gleam which sparkled from his sheathed dagger. The chests were empty, their treasure lying in a shimmering mass upon the blood-stained floor. The wolf stopped and listened. Outside was silence. There was no moon, and Leloup's keen imagination pictured the dark slayer, Solomon Kane, gliding through the blackness, a shadow among shadows. He grinned crookedly. This time the Englishman would be foiled. "'There's a chest yet unopened,' said he, pointing. The rat, with a muttering exclamation of surprise, bent over the chest indicated. With a single cat-like motion, the wolf sprang upon him, sheathing his dagger to the hilt in the rat's back between the shoulders. The rat sagged to the floor without a sound. "'Why divide the treasure two ways?' murmured Leloup, wiping his blade upon the dead man's doublet. "'Now for Le Mans!' He stepped toward the door, then stopped and shrank back. At first he thought it was the shadow of a man who stood in the entrance." Then he saw it was a man himself, though so dark and still he stood that a fantastic semblance of shadow was lent him by the guttering candle. A tall man, as tall as Le he was, clad in black from head to foot, in plain, close-fitting garments that somehow suited the sombre face. Long arms and broad shoulders betokened the swordsman, as plainly as the long rapier in his hand. The features of the man were saturnine and gloomy. A kind of dark pallor lent him a ghostly appearance in the uncertain light, an effect heightened by the satanic darkness of his lowering brows. Eyes, large, deep-set and unblinking, fixed their gaze upon the bandit, and looking into them, Leloup was unable to decide what color they were. Strangely, the Mephistophelian trend of the lower features was offset by a high, broad forehead, though this was partly hidden by a featherless hat. That forehead marked the dreamer, the idealist, the introvert, just as the eyes and the thin, straight nose betrayed the fanatic. An observer would have been struck by the eyes of the two men who stood there facing each other. Eyes of both betoken untold deeps of power, but there the resemblance ceased. The eyes of the bandit were hard, almost opaque, with a curious, scintillant shadowlessness that reflected a thousand changing lights and gleams, like some strange gem. There was mockery in those eyes, cruelty and recklessness. The eyes of the man in black, on the other hand, deep-set and staring from under prominent brows, were cold but deep, Gazing into them, one had the impression of looking into countless fathoms of ice. Now the eyes clashed, and the wolf, who was used to being feared, felt a strange coolness on his spine. The sensation was new to him, a new thrill to one who lived for thrills, and he laughed suddenly. "'You are Solomon Cain, I suppose?' he asked, managing to make his question sound politely incurious. "'I am Solomon Cain,' the voice was resonant and powerful. "'Are you prepared to meet your god?' "'Why, monsieur,' Leloup answered, bowing, "'I assure you I am as ready as I ever will be. "'I might ask monsieur the same question.' "'No doubt I stated my inquiry wrongly,' Kane said grimly. "'I will change it. "'Are you prepared to meet your master, the devil?' "'As to that, monsieur,' Leloup examined his fingernails with elaborate unconcern, "'I must say that I can at present render a most satisfactory account to His Horned Excellency, "'though I really have no intention of so doing, for a while at least.' The loop did not wonder as to the fate of La Mans. Cain's presence in the cave was sufficient answer that did not need the trace of blood on his rapier to verify it. "'What I wish to know, monsieur,' said the bandit, "'is why in the devil's name have you harassed my band as you have, and how did you destroy that last set of fools?' "'Your last question is easily answered, sir,' Kane replied. "'I myself had the tale spread that the hermit possessed a store of gold, knowing that would draw your scum as carrion draws vultures.' For days and nights I have watched the hut, and to-night, when I saw your villains coming, I warned the hermit, and together we went among the trees back of the hut. Then, when the rogues were inside, I struck flint and steel to the train I had laid, and flame ran through the trees like a red snake until it reached the powder I had placed beneath the hut floor. Then the hut and thirteen sinners went to hell in a great roar of flame and smoke. True, one escaped, but him I had slain in the forest had not I stumbled and fallen upon a broken root which gave him time to elude me. "'Monsieur,' said Leloup, with another low bow, "'I grant you the admiration I must needs bestow on a brave and shrewd foeman. "'Yet tell me this, why have you followed me as a wolf follows deer?' "'Some moons ago,' said Cain, his frown becoming more menacing, "'you and your friends raided a small village down the valley. "'You know the details better than I. "'There was a girl there, a mere child, "'who, hoping to escape your lust, fled up the valley.' But you, you jackal of hell, you caught her and left her, violated and dying. I found her there, and above her dead form I made up my mind to hunt you down and kill you. Hm, mused the wolf. Yes, I remember the wench. Mon Dieu! So the softer sentiments entered into the affair. Monsieur, I had not thought you an amorous man. Be not jealous, good fellow. There are many more wenches. Le Loup, take care, Kane exclaimed, a terrible menace in his voice. I have never yet done a man to death by torture but by God sir you tempt me the tone and more especially the unexpected oath coming as it did from kane slightly sobered Loup. his eyes narrowed and his hand moved toward his rapier the air was tense for an instant then the wolf relaxed elaborately who was the girl he asked idly your wife i never saw her before answered kane nom de nom swore the bandit what sort of man are you monsieur who takes up a feud of this sort merely to avenge a wench unknown to you that sir is my own affair it is sufficient that i do so kane could not have explained even to himself nor did he ever seek an explanation within himself a true fanatic his promptings were reasons enough for his actions you are right monsieur leloup was sparring now for time Casually he edged backward, inch by inch, with such consummate acting skill, that he aroused no suspicion even in the hawk who watched him. "'Monsieur,' said he, "'possibly you will say that you are merely a noble cavalier, wandering about like a true galahad, protecting the weaker. But you and I no different. There on the floor is the equivalent to an emperor's ransom. Let us divide it peaceably. Then, if you like not my company, why, nom du nom, we can go our separate ways.' Kane leaned forward a terrible brooding threat growing in his cold eyes he seemed like a great condor about to launch himself upon his victim sir do you assume me to be as great a villain as yourself suddenly leloup threw back his head his eyes dancing and leaping with a wild mockery and a kind of insane recklessness his shout of laughter sent the echoes flying gods of hell no you fool i do not class you with myself Mon dieu, Monsieur Kane, you have a task indeed if you intend to avenge all the wenches who have known my favours. Shades of death! Shall I waste time in parleying with this base scoundrel? Kane snarled in a voice suddenly bloodthirsty, and his lean frame flashed forward like a bent bow suddenly released. At the same instant, Leloup, with a wild laugh, bounded backward with a movement as swift as Kane's. His timing was perfect. His back-flung hand struck the table and hurled it aside, plunging the cave into darkness as the candle toppled and went out. Kane's rapier sang like an arrow in the dark as he thrust blindly and ferociously. Adieu, Monsieur Galahad, the taunt came from somewhere in front of him, but Kane, plunging toward the sound with the savage fury of baffled wrath, caromed against a blank wall that did not yield to his blow. From somewhere seemed to come an echo of a mocking laugh. Keen whirled, eyes fixed on the dimly outlined entrance, thinking his foe would try to slip past him and out of the cave, but no form bulked there, and when his groping hands found the candle and lighted it, the cave was empty, save for himself and the dead men on the floor. End of chapter